Welcome to the Question Community Broadcast. The Question is a new disruptive community that provides a gathering place for those who wonder about our complex selves, our complex world, our complex universe. We are a non-religious and inclusive community that explores the many questions surrounding truth in order to encourage you on the important journey to find your own answers. The Question Community gathers every third Sunday evening at Redbush Tea and Coffee Company in the Kensington neighborhood of Calgary, starting at 7. Information on the community is available at our website, www.thequestion.ca. You can also join the community online at our Facebook page, which is The Question, and on Twitter, at TQCom, with two M's. You're now going to hear some highlights from our community gathering, where the question is asked through original arts and music, as well as thought-provoking presentations. This is Frederick Tamagi. I'm going to challenge your inner dialogue right now, away from the routine questions of time, traffic, function, consumerism, etc., and point you to some other questions that might be, just to our point, pretty important. Perhaps even more important if you thought my presentation title was catchy. I didn't dream these questions up. They came from a web article entitled, 50 Questions That Will Free Your Mind. Quite a promise, right? I'm going to share 12 of the 50 questions. Now, you'll have to temporarily trust me that due to limited time, I tried to choose the most important questions from the article. And if you're further inspired, you can go to the web article yourself later uh, and read the rest of the questions. Now, you probably noticed that I left some cards and pencils on the chairs. Um, for those of you that actually don't have them, there's some actually on the desk at the back if you want to grab them. Um, just on that desk right behind the little sign there. Now, the reason I did this, okay, is I'm going to share these selected questions with you. This is not a test, okay? Uh, but what I'd like you to do once I've shared the questions, I'd like you to write down your most brief personal answer to, to one of the questions, or two of them, or more if you're willing, okay? Now, if you're even more willing, I'll be asking you to share one of your answers uh, with the rest of the gathering, okay? Not for critique or for judgment, but more to encourage us, right, collectively, and to confirm to us that uh, Socrates was not wrong. Now, I'll take my time reading the questions, and then I'll wait a moment or two for you to finish jotting down your, your short answers, okay? Here they are. What is the one thing you'd most like to change about the world? Are you doing what you believe in, or are you settling for what you are doing? If the average human lifespan was 40 years, how would you live your life differently? What's something you know you do differently than most people? I thought that was a good one. What one thing have you not done that you really want to do? Again, your answers can be super brief, one word even, okay? Are you holding on to something you need to let go of? What are you most grateful for? Is it possible to know the truth without challenging it first? This is a really good question. At what time in your recent past have you felt most passionate and alive? When was the last time you marched into the dark with only the soft glow of an idea that you strongly believed in? If you knew that everyone you know was going to die tomorrow, who would you visit today? What would you do differently if you knew nobody would judge you? 
Could we generally agree that these questions could be considered pretty important inner dialogue questions? Certainly not the only important questions, but a decent sample of important questions from our inner dialogue, right? Good sample. Okay, having said that they are important questions, would you say that for at least some of them you're able to think of a pretty definitive personal answer? Most of you have got for a couple of them? Okay, good. Sort of like a conclusion, right? Okay. So if these important questions lead us to answers, Socrates would likely be proud of us, I think. Or would he? Okay, let's take a brief time out and share a few of our answers. Now, be as concise as you can. Even yes or no is a sufficient response. Okay, so thanks for your honest answers, because these are pretty important questions. Now, is everyone feeling a little more free now that we've sort of cleared the air on some of them? And you're still thinking about them, I know, for sure, right? Okay. So allow me to paraphrase Socrates one more time, okay? to remind you of his perspective on our inner dialogue and our important questions. Socrates said that we cannot be taught, but we can only learn through thinking. He said that our lives are only made worthwhile by the examination of our inner dialogue. He said that only by first transforming ourselves can we transform the world. Okay, which brings me back to this list, the same list of very important questions. Now, would it shock anyone if I suggested that these questions, even though they appear pretty important, are almost as unimportant as, should I get out of bed now? Or what will be the traffic uh, this morning? Would anyone be insulted if I suggested that these 12 important questions, or, or even the 50 questions that will free your mind, are just as likely to be lost inside the endless scenery on the highway of your inner dialogue? I'm suggesting that even though we just now considered these very important questions, some of us may already be watching them fade away in the rear view mirror of our consciousness. Okay, we're all really diligent in writing down a few answers, but you know, it's interesting how even really important questions sort of come and go uh, out of our consciousness, even if we want to answer them. So even if there are more important questions for us, as Socrates has suggested, what prevents them from being truly transformational. Here's one possible answer. Even important questions like these often fail to transform because they're incomplete. Okay? Incomplete questions usually produce incomplete answers. And therefore, learning is incomplete. Nothing or no one will be transformed. So now you're asking me what might complete these questions to make them truly important, right? truly transformational. It's actually a simple question, but a higher question. It's the question, why? Why is the question that is prompted by all other questions, that follows all other questions, that completes all other questions, if we are intentional in asking it? You may have noticed that the 12 questions were built around the key question words, who, what, where, when, how? Questions are thought to function best when they produce direct answers. I mean, that was kind of the exercise, right? You saw the questions, wrote an answer. Some of you had really strong answers for it. Now, these key question words are designed to produce those direct answers. And in doing so, they have the perceived effect of settling the matter, don't they, right? Here's the question, here's the answer. 
So what makes the question word why different than the others? Okay, it's because it's the one question that unsettles the matter. It's the one question that transforms. Now, I want to revisit again the 12 important questions and think about it in the context of your answers, some of the answers that you thought about or that you wrote down. One more time, we'll do that, and we'll complete them with the higher question, why? What is the one thing you'd most like to change about the world? Now, if you gave an answer, then you should be asking, why that thing? Why not another thing? Are you doing what you believe in? Or are you settling for what you were doing? Now, if you said you were settling, then ask, why are you settling? If the average human lifespan was 40 years, how would you live your life differently? If you gave an answer for that, why aren't you living differently already? What's something you know you do differently than most people? If you gave an answer to that, Heather, you did, then ask, why are you different? And when you ask why you're different, then maybe you'll find out that being different is good. What one thing have you not done that you really want to do? If you gave an answer to that, then ask, why haven't you done it? Are you holding on to something you need to let go of? If you said yes, then ask, why haven't you let it go? I've been asked that question a lot, a lot. What are you most grateful for? Okay, if you gave an answer to that, then ask, why are you most grateful for that? Is it possible to know the truth without challenging it first? Either way, okay, however you answered that, you should ask, why is it possible to know the truth? Or why is it impossible? At what time in your recent past have you felt most passionate and alive? If you named a time, then ask, why that time? And if you named a time, you could also ask, why only that time? When was the last time you marched into the dark with only the soft glow of an idea you strongly believed in? If you gave an answer to that, then ask, why that time? And why that idea? Or, why didn't you march? If you knew that everyone you know was going to die tomorrow, who would you visit today? If you named a person, you named your brother, right? Why that person? All the reasons why. What would you do differently if you knew nobody would judge you? If you named something you would do, then ask, why does judgment stop you? You may have noticed that the possible answers to the question why are not so direct, not so simple, or as easy to leave behind as the who, what, when, where, and how answers are. This is because who, what, when, where, and how are questions that prompt information. But why is the one question that prompts transformation? Who, what, when, where, and how can be uh, like very attractive scenery on the highway of our inner dialogue. I mean, the 12 questions that we ask, they're pretty attractive and significant, aren't they? But soon, like any scenery, we can become desensitized to even the truly important questions and allow them to just endlessly slip by our car window. We actually have to stop the car to ask why. This is Miles Patterson. Yeah, I'd been struggling with uh, a relationship earlier this year, I wrote this one this year, and um, struggling with just closure, just finding closure for it. And, uh, and uh, I thought of an exercise that somebody told me about years ago where you write a metaphor, expand it as far as you can, and then bring it back. And so I did that, I thought up a metaphor in my head and I wrote it, and then I kind of edited it down, I didn't bring it back down all the way, but uh, 
this poem came out of it and it turned out to be a fan favorite. So, here we go. She chose him over me, like bread chooses peanut butter. They complement each other. They taste better together than apart. In fact, they're so delicious together, you might be tempted to take a bite. Unless you're allergic, then you're most likely going to die. Anyway, they're a natural pair, unlike her and I were. We went together like bread and gravel, pretending we were tasty. Hell, we weren't even edible. Not even the birds would eat us. And if they did, they would choke and die. Yet, I tried to spread myself across her life because I thought gravel complemented bread like monogamy complements polyamory. And that's where it all went wrong. I wanted to be polyamorous, even though I suspected this pile of gravel was destined for a one-way road. I wanted to know for sure, so I acted like it came from a jar, simply because gravel is crunchy. I didn't compliment her in the slightest. We didn't even like the same music. And we would always be a threat to someone's airways as long as I believed gravel and bread went well together. And once I accepted I was gravel, I realized I didn't want to be on bread. I wanted to be somewhere else. She found real peanut butter, and I ended up on the road where I belong. And I don't mean that in a bad way. I give traction where it's needed. I'm meant for someone else, like gravel is meant for the ground. Now, I'm going to share with you, hopefully, a video clip from a great HBO series called The Newsroom. I don't know if any of you have seen The Newsroom. It's about six minutes, but it's a wonderful artistic illustration of a man confronting the tranquilizing conformity of questions. You can almost feel his inner dialogue, uh, his life, and his mission being transformed by a more important question. It's his waterfall. Go on to the next question. You, sir. My name's Stephen. Uh, I'm a junior, and my question's for Will McAvoy. Do you consider yourself a Democrat, a Republican, or independent? I consider myself a New York Jets fan, Stephen. <laughs> Since it's been brought up, you've almost religiously avoided stating or even implying a political allegiance. Is that because, as a news anchor, you feel the integrity of your broadcast would be compromised? That sounds like a good answer, I'll take it. <laughs> there was a short piece on Vanity Fair's website uh, by Marshall Westbrook, you probably saw it, where he calls you the Jay Leno of news anchors. You're popular because you don't bother anyone. Yeah. How do you feel about that? Jealous of the size of Jay's audience. Are you willing to say here tonight whether you lean right or left? I voted for candidates run by both major parties. Let's move on to the next question. Go ahead. Hi, my name is Jenny. I'm a sophomore, and this is for all three of you. Can you say in one sentence or less what? <laughs> um, you know what I mean. Can you 
say why America is the greatest country in the world? Diversity and opportunity. Lewis? Uh, freedom and freedom. So let's keep it that way. Well, the New York Jets. <laughs> no, I'm going to hold you to an answer on that. What makes America the greatest country in the world? Well, Lewis and Sharon said it, diversity and opportunity and freedom and freedom. I'm not letting you go back to the airport without answering the question. Well, our Constitution is a masterpiece. James Madison was a genius. The Declaration of Independence is, for me, the single greatest piece of American writing. You don't look satisfied. One's a set of laws and the other's a declaration of war. I want a human moment from you. What about the people? Why is it not the greatest country in the world, Professor? That's my answer. You're saying yes. Let's talk about fine. The Sharon, the NEA is a loser. Yeah, it accounts for a penny out of her paycheck, but he gets to hit you with it anytime he wants. It doesn't cost money, it costs votes, it costs airtime, column inches. You know why people don't like liberals? Because they lose. If liberals are so fucking smart, how come they lose so goddamn always? Hey. And with a straight face, you're gonna tell students that America is so star-spangled awesome that we're the only ones in the world who have freedom? Canada has freedom. Japan has freedom. The UK, France, Italy, Germany, Spain, Australia, Belgium has freedom. So 207 sovereign states in the world, like 180 of them have freedom. All right. And yeah, you, uh, sorority girl, just in case you accidentally wander into a voting booth one day, there's some things you should know. One of them is, there is absolutely no evidence to support the statement that we're the greatest country in the world. We're seventh in literacy, 27th in math, 22nd in science, 49th in life expectancy, 178th in infant mortality, third in median household income, number four in labor force, and number four in exports. We lead the world in only three categories. Number of incarcerated citizens per capita, number of adults who believe angels are real, and defense spending, where we spend more than the next 26 countries combined, 25 of whom are allies. Now, none of this is the fault of a 20-year-old college student, but you nonetheless are without a doubt a member of the worst period, generation period ever, period. So when you ask what makes us the greatest country in the world, I don't know what the fuck you're talking about. Yosemite? Sure used to be. We stood up for what was right. We fought for moral reasons. We passed laws, struck down laws for moral reasons. We waged wars on poverty, not poor people. We sacrificed, we cared about our neighbors, we put our money where our mouths were, and we never beat our chest. We built great big things, made ungodly technological advances, explored the universe, cured diseases, and we cultivated the world's greatest artists and the world's greatest economy. We reached for the stars acted like men. We aspired to intelligence. We didn't belittle it. It didn't make us feel inferior. We didn't identify ourselves by who we voted for in the last election, and we didn't, we didn't scare so easy. <laughs> we were able to be all these things and do all these things because we were informed. 
great men, men who were revered. First step in solving any problem is recognizing there is one. America is not the greatest country in the world anymore. Enough? So, I close with this question about questions. Is there, in fact, a more important question? A question that rises above other questions. A question that defines other questions. Now, to be fair, asking questions uh, is by nature intentional. If we didn't wish to know, we probably wouldn't ask. We ask these questions all the time for both reasons big and small. And we ask questions constantly to fuel our inner dialogue. Who, what, where, when, and how are the road signs, the rest stops, the construction zones, and the tourist traps on the highway of our inner dialogue? These questions are by definition what we might call the known points of interest on the map of our personal journey. They can be important or not, uh, but all of them are designed to produce a specific answer. And they provide a little temporary certainty uh, and even a brief moment of closure on this long, complicated path to the truth. One of the key benefits of Google Maps is that a tested known route with all the known points of interest marked pretty much works for everyone, one size fits all. But if a tiny waterfall appears next to the highway because this year the snow melted a certain way, and if a single shifting rock changed the direction of the meltwater, uh, and if a beaver chose one tree over another to fell in its path, Google Maps is unable to mark this particular point of interest, okay? Because this waterfall may only appear in this exact place just this once. It may only appear just this once as a unique experience for a select few people or even a single person. I felt like that's what happened to me uh, when I stopped for that waterfall when I, a, when I was a kid. And yet, it could be the most interesting point of interest on the whole trip, but only if you stop the car when you see it. And then if you're willing, drink. The question why is like that unpredictable hydro anomaly that drives Google Maps crazy, okay? It could be the most important question because it can and perhaps should follow the answer to any other important question that begins with who, what, where, when, and how. This is especially true when these questions are guiding our inner dialogue and our personal destiny. So if we're asking ourselves important questions, okay, like what, the answer might be this. If we ask ourselves how, the answer might be this way. If we ask ourselves where, the answer might be here. If we ask ourselves when, the answer might be now, okay? And if we ask ourselves who, the answer might be me. Now we can end the dialogue there, as we so often do. But we can also choose to turn the dialogue into a debate. We can choose to transform the information into a confrontation. Now we create an important inner confrontation by asking, why this? Why this way? Why here? Why now? Why me? Taking the time to think about why on the highway of your inner dialogue is like stopping at that unmapped waterfall 
asking why might turn out to be the freshest, coldest, best drink of water that you've ever had. It could transform you and then possibly transform others. Socrates didn't invent questions, but he did point out that there are questions so important that they themselves can almost be like an answer because they transform. But you have to decide to stop and drink, okay? You have to decide to ask why. Okay, that's it. Thank you very much for being so patient. Thank you for listening. If you're interested in joining the Question community, we meet every third Sunday evening at Redbush Tea and Coffee Company in the Kensington neighborhood of Calgary starting at 7. You can participate in the online discussion on our Facebook page, which is The Question, or on Twitter at TQCom. That's at T-Q-C-O-M-M. Our website is www.thequestion.ca. Thanks again for listening, and remember that our answers are only possible because of our questions.